LegalizeFreedom.com Why are we here? Where do we come from? Where are we going? From the nature of reality to the future of humanity. Listen without limits. Unchain your brain. Change your thinking. Change your life. LegalizeFreedom.com Greetings and welcome to the 300th edition of Legalized Freedom. I'm your host Greg Moffat and my guests today are Colin E. Davis and Melissa Murray who join me to discuss the 2020 coronavirus crisis. You can help cover my operating costs by visiting legalize-freedom.com. You can spell legalize with an S or a Z and clicking on the donate button. You can also follow me on facebook.com forward slash legalize freedom, youtube.com forward slash legalize freedom one and twitter at legalize freedom. In this two-part show, we examine some of the inconsistencies surrounding the official story about so-called COVID-19 and the heavy-handed government response to it. Was crashing the global economy and bankrupting millions of people really an appropriate response to a disease that has thus far killed the equivalent of the population of a large town? We also consider the acquiescent and apathetic public reaction to lockdowns, bans and other draconian restrictions and potential future implications for individual freedom. The real pandemic, as it turns out, is fear. Whether this coronavirus outbreak occurred naturally, was deliberately engineered or somewhere in between, the powers that be have a habit of never letting a crisis go to waste. Whatever the truth may be, seismic shifts in society are already underway and in one or more important respects, the lives we once knew may be gone forever. Contemplate how swiftly your lives have become like the lives of others. Nervous curtain twitching, nightly pronouncements from the party on the telebroadcast unit, and constant chatter about what is and what is not available at the food distribution centre. Will this Orwellian vision really become the new normal? As ever, that's up to us. Hello and welcome, Colin and Melissa. Thank you so much for joining us once again on LegalizeFreedom.com. Thank you, Greg. Thanks, Greg. It's, it's great, great to be back to be here. Yeah, it was actually back in 2016, believe it or not, that you were you guys were last on uh, with me, and that's not long after your book had come out. Uh, that was called Shadow Tech: Cracking the Codes of Personal and Collective Darkness. We did a two-part show on that. If folks are interested, they can find the link to that on the web page for this chat. Um, before we dive into today's talk, just to tell listeners a little bit um, about yourselves. Yeah, okay. Well, um, we're both lifelong artists. We're professional musicians, um, but we're also metaphysicians and esoteric alchemists. And as you said, in 2015, we released the book Shadow Tech. And Shadow Tech was really, uh, it was a systems exploration of the dark side of the psyche and really the dark side of reality. Um, what, what Jung called the shadow, but we, we, we extrapolated the shadow from not just this, from out from the psychic domain into, um, basically across holons, you could say, uh, into the culture, into physics, into the universe itself to try to understand the, 
um, the the destructive force itself in the universe. And um, so that book was an exploration of that, and it was it was to help ourselves you know, understand our own destructiveness and to understand human destructiveness, um, and to to share these concepts with other people. And so, I mean, there's much more work that needs to be done, but that was an introduction to this work. And um, is there anything you wanted to add, Melissa? Yeah, so uh, we've also um, created music based on the same concept, kind of a right brain. It's called the O-1 experience uh, or the Zero-1 experience, if you want to look it up. But this whole process has been our own um, process of individuation or the alchemical process of evolution. Um, we didn't really know at the time that it we were going into this so deeply, but it's become our own archaeological or investigate investigation um, that is challenging um, because we're looking at um, evil and the dark side of human nature and the culture and our own uh, internal darkness. So it's very archetypal in nature. And what's very interesting about right now is that uh, we have been using the term the virus mm-hmm. uh for the last seven years, it's in our book, and uh, so it's it's very archetypal for us. Yeah, we've been using this term "virus" sort of as a as a as a it's kind of like how the way um, the, the the term "the devil" was used. Basically, it's just sort of a a general term to um, that that points to a a a, a, a an active parasitic force in the universe that no one can really put their finger on, but which is obviously always um, interfering in life. And um, and so, you know, anytime something we, we would just always we would just always use this term, the virus, the virus. And um, it's interesting in our movie of life that um, that this this virus pandemic situation unfolds and then the more we look at the whole virus situation and then we and we realize that it's really more psychological than anything um it really makes us it really makes it just it's just been it's just been it's very, very almost sci-fi like the <laughs> whole situation been, yeah. for us um everybody's using our term now the virus yeah it's everywhere yeah right so we, well, we're going to get into that, the, the psychological aspect later, I know. Yeah, we are. So how we're going to basically do this is we're going to start talking about where we are now. And if anybody's listening to this in the future, here we are, the three of us caught in the midst of the so-called coronavirus crisis of 2020. So we're going to look at how this is unfolding, uh, where we are now, some of the more tangible, practical aspects. And then, as you said, we're going to go deeper darker and try and look at what other dimensions there are to this because as with anything playing out on this planet there is a psychological dimension to it in fact i think that's really what rules the species and 
then at, towards the end of the talk, we'll look at where things might be headed and some positive steps we can take. Because as much as we're facing a lot of challenges right now, you know, if we haven't got something actionable that we can do going forward, then it's only leaves people with despair, doesn't it? And I don't want to do that. Um, right. Exactly. Um, because I think that as a species, we're on a journey and we're all helping to steer it. And mm -hmm. that's one thing I'd also like people to take away from this today is that if people are feeling helpless and powerless, that actually you're not. But of course, mm -hmm. we're, we're, we're taught and we're socialized from cradle to grave that that's what we are. So, uh, to get things started, I mean, I have to say that, I mean, we've all been around the block a few times as far as geopolitics and world events and, you know, just living life goes. Right. And when this started to unravel, now, unlike 9-11, which of course there was a build up to that, but it's kind of happened overnight. It was just suddenly there one morning in New York City and it happened. For a lot of people, that was the first they knew of it. Right. This, this particular situation has had a bit of a, a build up of a few months, you know, a lot of us became aware just before Christmas and just after that there was something happening in China that was big, but it it's overtaken the whole globe very quickly since then. And my over overriding feeling was having seen some of these things put you know coming into action before was like here we go again. And my sixth sense told me you know if there was anything in my lifetime, even despite some of the weird psychodramas that I've lived through, if there was anything that is not at what it first appears to be, it is this situation that we find ourselves in the midst of now. Right. Yes, definitely. Yeah, it's, it. you know, if you want to, once, once you become aware, once you're, once you're red-pilled, so to speak, once you become aware that um, a lot of mass events are are steered or are triggered by um, covert operations. Once you're aware that that is a phenomenon that happens, um, then you can just immediately start looking at one of these situations and looking to see if it if it has those kinds of signs. And yeah, we see that with this one. Anyone that studied 9/11 or or whatever it is, you know, so-called conspiracies, and knows that there are some real conspiracies. Um, can go look at this one and go, well, does it, does it kind of fit the criteria? And in fact, it does. And, um, and so then once you, once you get there, then, then it's kind of a, a Pandora's box has been opened up and, and what's true and what's not true. And, um, a lot of people naturally, um, feel they don't feel that they're, they're, they're competent enough to reach conclusions on their own and that and that's a big problem and uh then they they feel that if they were to reach their own conclusions if they if those conclusions would be at odds with their friends and family and the general public then they they feel that they would be ostracized or could be in danger in some way yeah it's pretty it's pretty rough right now for a lot of people even uh people that are so called um not red pilled uh just talking to people their world views they know instinctively that this is doesn't feel right to them and so their whole world view is being broken open like people that they would follow who are maybe on the progressive side and they're just going along with the program or 
or the other side. It's just like breaking open their consciousness and their, it's, it's very challenging yeah. for people, I've noticed. You can tell that a lot of people, at least where we are, a, a lot of people are going along with the whole, with, with the, with the orders, with the stay at home orders, with the orders to wear the mask in the public and, and, and all of the, the various edicts that are coming down from above and, and they're going along with it. But if you start talking to them and start questioning, well, so how is the mask protecting you? I mean, you're wearing a dust mask. How is that really protecting you from a virus? I mean, uh, or how about these gloves that you're wearing? Have you been changing your gloves every time you have an interaction or every time you touch something? No, you haven't been. So how are they really protecting you? How about when you go outside? I mean, uh, how far does the virus travel? And and, and you just like, start why would you asking? They, they can't a ask mask in the park. In the park, why would you be wear- your your oxygen, which is what your immune system wants, is to breathe? Right. And- why would you just be re rebreathing your own CO two? And if you were infected, just reinfecting yourself? Why you start asking them these questions? And and they some people might become defensive immediately. Um, and other people, you could just, I mean, most people, you can just tell. You start asking them these questions and then just this blankness. They're just, they're kind of like, well, well I've never, I've never thought about it is kind of the answer that you get from well, them. Well, then you, it's very, it's very, um, it's very sci-fi-ish. It's okay. So I work in a natural grocery store and so I've, been having to follow these rules as they come online in my job and um, so first we had to take uh, uh, our temperature before we worked right um, and that was very draconian with this gun that you shoot at your head right um, that takes your temperature and then they made a mandatory masks recently, and the first day that I wore one, I could tell that I had less oxygen. Yeah, it's totally restrictive. And I was getting lightheaded, and it didn't feel like it felt the opposite. But then you watch these people in line, and it's like the and people walking around. It's like the invasion of the body snatchers. Yeah, it's very, we started rewatching the body snatchers, the 1970s version. And yeah, it's like it's we're living in body snatchers world or and, they live or something. And you just and all you really have to do is I mean, OK, here's the thing about about coming to your own conclusions. I mean, I'm coming from a, a perspective that's a little different from most people. I spent r- really thousands of hours investigating 9-11 and I worked at a, as a mortgage fraud investigator as a as a as a, a mortgage analyst. And um, I did. You know, again, thousands of hours of research at um, um, tracking down um, connections and 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 putting things together and, and you know connecting dots and that kind of stuff. So t- to me, you know, it's pretty it's pretty it's pretty natural to just you know just start using search engines and just start going. Okay, well, let's find out what a virus is. Let's just start with the basic stuff. What is a virus? Let's go to Wikipedia. Let's let's look at um, Let's put in communicable disease into Wikipedia. Let's look at at, at, at that um, and just kind of get a basic understanding of what is a virus, what is how uh, you know what's communicable, what's not. Um, look, you know, put in vaccine efficacy. I mean, just put in certain terms that will start to 
pull up some data, and this is all mainstream stuff, and just come to a basic understanding of what it is that you're dealing with, and then start looking at what you're being told. And you basically go, especially the stuff that's being repeated on every channel, that every politician is using the same terminology right, over and over again. Points. The talking points. So take the talking points and start investigating what it is that they're saying and look at, look on YouTube, look on, on, um, on Google, wherever. And you know, the first results are always going to be, you know, the big mainstream. corporate mainstream stuff. So scroll past those. Um, and just, it just do some basic research and within a few hours, really, you can kind of come to some kind of an understanding of that you, you kind of know what you're dealing with a little bit. And then you don't feel so scared. You don't feel like, well, I don't really know what's going on. I just have to follow the orders because you've done your research. And then you'll find, start finding people that are, that are complete dissenters and, you know, you'll put on their video and they'll start to start saying, well, this and that and stuff, and then you'll have to start taking a little bit of notes and, well, I don't know if I agree with that, and I'll have to look into that. And you kind of have to go down the rabbit hole and all of that. But, I mean, it's like when you're being told that we cannot go back to normal life again, this is the new normal, and that you will be vaccinated and that you'll have to pass months. through thermal scanners and there's 18 months and then blah, blah, blah. And you're talking about that and society will never be the same. It's kind of like y that's your duty. That's your duty is to figure out for yourself what's going and on and see that you can make your own conclusions. Right. And most people are just not doing that and they're not inclined to do that. And that itself is like, uh, I mean, we saw this after 9-11, but that was quite a number of years ago. And to see the same kind of mass phenomenon happen and to see how people are most people, I mean, maybe it's 90% of people are really just not equipped or not inclined to reach their own conclusions about the, the big narratives. And I mean, you have to conclude that this is for, there's an evolutionary reason for this. And it makes sense to me that societies, in order for them to, 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 to remain intact, to be coherent, they require that everybody kind of just agree on what the mainstream version of events is, what the mythology is, and just sort of agree on that and go along with that because otherwise societies would just fracture. So it makes sense that most people would just, would, would not question reality. But it also makes sense that societies start to get um, they they degrade over time, and as you know, you know, psychopaths rise to power, and they get corrupted in all kinds of ways. And in those times, when times are getting worse, when the society is starting to fall apart, those are the times when the heretics, the rebels, the mavericks, those are the times when them, uh, when when those people are needed. Right. To basically start them, to yeah. create, uh, well, at first it's just to take apart the old mythology and then eventually some new mythology will, will. We call uh, them the immune cells. It's just. Yeah, the immune a, cells. All of a sudden, boom, you just come online and you're saying, oh my, my God, 
we have that we have to take action. We have to wake up. Yeah, we have to wake up. We have to do something. We have to do something different from what other people are doing. These are all lemmings going off a cliff, and we have to do something different, or we're all gonna die. We're the immune cells of the body politic, basically. And it's emperor's new clothes as well, isn't it? Having someone standing up and just saying, "Look, you know, this is what I. This is what's actually there. You, you guys are seeing something else. I can see what's. I can see clearly what's in front of me, and I'm not afraid to call it what it is." Both of us have mentioned uh, 9-11 as a big historical turning point in many ways. Yeah. And after that, I, in particular, I started to see, especially as the as we headed into the first and then the second decade of the 21st century, a sort of bifurcation in the species, encouraging signs where that I'd see more and more people questioning narratives um you know trusting themselves to make the come to conclusions about the nature of the world and the nature of reality and then on the on the other hand a, a larger number of people descending further into unconsciousness mm-hmm. into like yeah. um hunkering yeah. hunkering down withdrawing into their shell as far as they're concerned you know the world increasingly becoming too much for them to deal with and so they'd be more and more um, introverted and enclosed and more subject to just going along to get along as it were and i think right i'm see i think we'll have to see how this plays out you know where that trend goes from here initial indications are that we're seeing a bit of both here we're certainly seeing a lot of people you know I've, i'm talking to people who are, are now questioning a narrative like they haven't done before um it's very encouraging they're just going oh hang on a minute so for some people what's happening now it will be a wake-up call for others, uh, of course. I mean, even for me, who's been, and you guys as well, watching watching sort of uh, world events now for a very long time, the speed at which some people have fallen under, you know, the, self, mm-hmm. the self-police parade and the mm-hmm. going along to get along and, you know, just t- turning into, as I wrote recently in a piece, the lives of others, you know, starting to just distrust their, right. na- distrust their neighbors even more than they already did. Uh, people who were declared themselves formerly distrustful of the government suddenly just can't get enough. You know, it's, 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 right. it's manna from heaven, as it were. So, and, <laughs> le- and let me just say before I, I stopped, let me just say the background to this is nobody is saying that there is no virus or that there are, right. no, there are no people getting ill or there are no people dying. People die all the time. So right. there, there's clearly something happening on a biological level. That's uh, fine. Everybody accepts yeah. that. But for me, the big question is, the big, big question is twofold. Yeah. One, what is our reaction to it? And right. two, what does it mean at a deeper level? Yeah. Uh, well, there are some people that are saying there is no virus. Um, and, uh, I actually have, have started to go look and see if there's any, any merit to that. Um, there are people now that are starting to question the, um, the, the germ theory itself. Um, and the communicability of disease. And I, I actually think that that's, that's worth looking at seriously. Um, but to me, that's kind of like flat earth theory in a way. It's mm-hmm. like, oh, okay. Um, I'll, I'll look. It, it doesn't really make even intuitive sense that all of the celestial bodies would be round except earth, which would be flat. That kind of, you know, first thing I think of. But, Okay, I'll look at it. And then, you know, you start looking at it and they just start loading you with all kinds of 
kind of mismatched data and There's stuff. There's a lot and, of misinformation that comes out in these kinds yeah. of events. Yes. And I believe that some of this is socially engineered or psyops. Some, yeah. So some you have to be very discerning when you're looking at information. Yeah. And so I'm, I'm not prepared to say that there is no virus, but it's kind of like it's the same thing of what's happening when, when you're triggered psychologically. Um, you know, uh, people that are triggered by Donald Trump and say that, you know, he's a tyrant or whatever, and he's narcissistic and all he cares is about is himself and all of this. And you know what? There's an element of truth to that. But the thing is, is that that's triggering you into this enormous reaction. Right. And, 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 and that becomes pathological. So it's the same kind of a, of a, of a situation in the culture where you have a trigger, you have a real virus, um, but then it, it results in this, in this exponential uh, reaction that becomes hysterical. Well, it's the fear. Yeah. It's basically fear of death. Right. You're getting whether it's socially engineered, uh, I'm, I believe that part of it, this is socially engineered. Yeah. Um, maybe it's a drill. Uh, there was a simulation. There were multiple, multiple simulations, simulations in 2019. Um, uh, they've been talking about it for a long time. Bill Gates is all ready and ID2020 is all ready to go. And But the <laughs> fact is, is that when you hit people, 9-11 was a little different because, yes, you know, a, a lot of people died. But in this case, it's saying... If you don't follow what we're telling you to do, wearing the masks, social distancing, then your family is going to die. Yeah. And you might die. Right. That's what they're so saying. So it's hitting. Right. You're your, endangering all of us. It's hitting uh, people right in the deepest part right. of their own and their, fear, which right. is fear of death. Yeah, it is. It's the most. It's and and this is this is why biological. It's like going into basic survival so i respond to that with today is a good day to die right i respond to that by going okay um what am i okay to die today am i okay to catch a disease and just die or 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 fall off you know a a, a stair and, and die am i okay if i died today is there anything that I sh- should have done? Is there anything I've left undone that needs to be taken care of? And th- and you want to be able to say, no, I've taken care of everything. I could just go today and I'd be okay with that. And that's kind of part of doing basic shadow work, really. That's true. But see, also where it's getting people, and this is the more feminine side, is their families, their loved ones yeah. having a... Ch- well, it doesn't affect children as we know, right. at least. But your 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 parents having to right. face you're, you're your right. uh, your parents' you're death, right. you know, right. or you're taking care of other yeah. people. Yeah, would I be okay if I gave grandma the coronavirus and killed her? Right. That's what you're saying. Exactly. And so in so for and that's why that's why it's so important to do research. And to come to your own conclusions. And if you just do some some basic research, you'll find out that the chances 
of you catching the virus and, and, and or of you getting hurt from it or even of grandma getting hurt from it are very slim. And um and it's you know, our relationship with death in general in our culture. It, it is. In previous cultures they had a very um large place for death. Yeah. Yeah, it we're, was part of life. Yeah, we're just manically afraid of 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 death. Yeah, yeah. You see, well, we're already so, getting into metaphysics here because, and that's kind of that just shows how yeah. how that is central to all this. Because every topic we get into, we get sucked towards metaphysics because right. then, that's you know that's where the, the the heart of it lies. And what you were talking about, fear of death, and and being today being a good day to die. It's I encountered that in a, a Sufi idea. That which is to die before you die, exactly. Which is to go through that that process, almost of imagining right. it, you know, to go through that process, you know, within your your psyche, within your soul, so that you have faced it as much as you can, yes. while while your body is still alive, so that when yes. you come face to face with actual physical death, if you have time to think about it, you don't just get hit by a bus. But right. if you have time to contemplate your own death and you're actually staring it in the face, it's not quite so frightening if you have going through that little death daily contemplation yeah, upon I've your own death. I've been doing this since I I had cancer and then I I healed myself of cancer naturally uh which kind of red pilled me because I saw uh the evilness of the medical system and how they were making money off of people being sick. Um but I've had I've been accepting my own death for many years now yeah and then when i start getting into the deeper shadow work it's a continuation of that of just letting go and uh contemplating death and what it means and it's it's very um it's very freeing it's it is. very freeing it is it, it's 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 yeah. When we start talking um, psychologically, and we start talking about shadow work and stuff, this is yeah. this is a big part of it. Yeah. Well, we're going to be getting onto that in a few minutes. A couple of more dimensions uh, we've already touched upon of what's happening right now. I mean, we're talking about people's fear, uh, fear mm-hmm. of death, specifically ruling their lives. In many ways, the point of life is death. We see it. It's almost like what we come here to do. If you see what I mean. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. To, to live and to die, and death is an inextricable part of life. You know, if you look out at the natural environment, you see death everywhere. And I don't oh. necessarily mean the nature red in tooth and claw, but just some something as simple as like, you know, plants dying and turning to mulch and then new life in the spring. You know, and just because our lives appear, well, first we don't think about our own mortality, but our lives compared to that of like uh, a daffodil, our lives appear so long, if you see what I mean. Right. But really in a cosmic, right. a cosmic sense, it's just a... Yeah. A blink of the eye, and yep. f- of, of what is. we're talking about about pandemic about the pandemic here, fear is the deadliest pandemic because, as you know, fear or stress or any of these extreme negatives can can basically kill someone. Even if oh, you, totally. if you're if you're already ill, fear and stress can kill you off. How many people currently, not even in hospital, but maybe just a little bit vulnerable or frail, are going to die basically out of fear of this? You know, oh, yeah. you know. Oh. Uh, did they become, we, we all become carriers of it if we're not very careful. You know, people acting out of fear. We are seeing that now everywhere, even, you know, ripped, ripped large and even in the pettiest things. And if this, if all of this, I mean, a, a few dimensions of like the official 
reaction to this and the official narrative yeah. and the media narrative, everything else, which is meant to be about helping people, about bringing us together, about uniting us, about putting up a, a united front against this, about supporting people, supporting health workers, supporting the vulnerable. That's the rhetoric, but the reali right. reality is 24-7 terror of and like... Surveillance. Yeah, yeah oh, since I, when did the government really care about human life? All of the lies that have taken us to war, all the millions of people that, that have, have been killed, killed um, assassinations, uh, um, uh, just massive amounts of covert testing on human beings. And so since when did the government really ever care about the average person, well, and, that's uh, about, about grandma? That's yeah. one of the things that made me, <laughs> that, that really made me uh, question this, was when the official story started to develop... And we were then presented with the idea that, you know, here are the figures on virus infection and deaths, and here's the action we need right. to take. The first thing I thought of, especially when they started announcing, uh, when we started seeing all the business closures and travel stopping and, you know, economies crashing, we are used to, along the lines of what you were just saying, Colin, we are used to governments putting economies before people. Yeah. They will readily put business ahead of people's lives. Oh, yeah. And now we're time. being, now we're being asked to accept that to potentially save the lives of a few thousand people in a few countries, that they will, for example, I, I'm not quite sure, but I think in the last few days, I read a story about 30 million Americans in one week applying for a income assistance, you know, employment benefit. And that's just the beginning. So by the government's own track record, it doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense. Um, it's it's a couple things. Is um, well, I started putting together a website called FearNoVirus.com, and I started just looking at all the um, CDC numbers. Uh, it's the Center for Disease Control in the United States, and um, and also um, cataloging um, virologists and 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 uh, scientists who are looking at the numbers and saying, you know, this doesn't add up, and so. Um, that that's sort of an ongoing sort of catalog of things. And when you start looking at the numbers, uh, you can, I mean, one that a lot of people, um, throw out in the United States, which I think is, uh, this is a good talking point is, is that in the winter of, um, 2017 to 2018, an average of, of, of 61,000 people died of flu and pneumonia. And so now, I mean, in the United States, they initially projected something like 2 million deaths and all of this. And now they're saying something like 60 to 80,000. And again, it's almost everybody is people with underlying conditions, severe underlying conditions, people in their 80s and 90s that were going to die of pretty much any cold or flu. And it's turning out to look like um, this is basically going to be um, basically like a, a bad flu season and no one even blinked an eye, um, uh, you know, back then. And, and, and usually most years you're getting 30, 40, 50,000 people dying of flu. And so it just, it just doesn't, it just doesn't add up, um, with that. And then we can get deeper into, into well, uh, what about the economy crashing yeah, right well, and, you can look into right that. all the all the small businesses that are being taken out we can go into all kinds of numbers but i was going to also say uh it's kind of back to the psychological again though is is that one of the big issues here is that you know we both said earlier that since when do you trust the government 
you know, right, with their track mm-hmm. record, right? Since, since when do you trust the government? And, and, you know, we've had so many exposés of, of government corruption over, you know, just in our lifetime. And it's like, you'd think that each time another one of these Iran-Contra scams or weapons of mass destruction scams or one of these things, um, comes out, uh, you'd think that, that people would start to pull back, you know, start to rescind their trust in government. But you ask, you ask why? Why do they just go back to just generally trusting politicians and the government, even though when you poll them, you know, they poll very low. But, but then, you know, they, they just still have this ongoing, and it really is psychological projection of the parent onto government. That's the big sort of hypnosis that's going on is, is that we are in general on average at a state of psychospiritual development to where we still need to project parent onto these individuals. We even call them in the West, we call them our leaders, but, but th- there's, there's, we elected them as representatives. Right? We didn't elect people to be leaders. We re- elected them to be representatives. But then you can also see how our society has been going down the road of a victimization. Yeah. Right. Through a, a, a variety right. of ways, through through the academia, right? Uh, safe spaces and yeah. all this yep. stuff, and through the medical system. Oh yeah pharmaceuticals, right. um, you know. The- What's the dark side of parenting with P-A, PA, right, with that, with that, with that source? Um, what's the dark side of parenting? Parent is, is on the light side of this idea, and parasite is the dark side, the shadow side of this idea. So when parent, when you have a dysfunctional uh, a parent-child relationship, it becomes parasite host relationship. And so that's kind of what we're devolving down into. And so it's at that, it's at that, it's at some point there where, you know, it's like the battered wife syndrome where the husband just keeps on hurting this woman and she keeps on calling the police and they, you know, there's all this restraining orders and all this stuff going on, but she keeps going back to the husband or the Stockholm syndrome, right? Right. And so it's like we have this ongoing Stockholm syndrome where we're, we're still just projecting parent or someone who loves us onto the government. Do we want to be saved? We want to be saved. We want to be safe because, but what it really is calling for is no, now it's time to be an adult. Now it's time to be your own parent. Now it's time to stand up, come to your own conclusions about what's going on in life, what reality is, be okay with the subjective nature of reality and stand in your subjective version of reality. And um, if that leads you into making mistakes, take responsibility for those mistakes and change your view of reality and keep moving forward like an adult. And that has to happen. At some point, the, uh, the husband gets so destructive that he kills the woman well, that, and yeah. or that the parasite becomes 
um, it, it, it's, uh, what's, I'm trying to think of the, the biological term, necrotrophic. When the parasite becomes necrotrophic and it actually eats the host that it's feeding on. Yeah, and it doesn't care. The parasite will take itself down. Yeah. A necrotrophic um, parasite will. Yeah. Yes. It doesn't so it's, care. So it's going in that direction. We saw that with the Soviet Union. We saw that with so many other societies that allowed themselves to be taken over by human parasites and um, and sucked dry. Right. And, and that's the direction we're going. Well, we've been talking a lot about the culture of fear and fear in itself as a, a virus and and we the, as, as carriers and spreaders. Just while I'm here, while I remember, I want to just recommend a couple of recent books. Um, if you guys haven't read them yet, you might like to. Certainly any of the listeners will probably get quite a lot from it. Uh, first one is How Fear Works, Culture mm. Fear in the 21st Century. That's by Frank Furedi, I think you pronounce it. Mm-hmm. He's an mm-hmm. English academic. Uh, the other one's by another Englishman, uh, The Madness of Crowds, yeah. G- Gender, Race and Identity. And that's by Douglas Murray. Now, that's not for... Oh, yeah. Not for the faint-hearted, but I think that um, anybody who's, who's you know with us so far in this will probably get a lot out of those two books. You were talking earlier about people who were um, you know formerly perhaps a bit skeptical about government, who suddenly seems to have fo- you know fallen into their open arms immediately um, mm-hmm. in the wake of all this. You can say exactly the same about the media. Now, of course, billions of people just lap up whatever comes out of their television unquestioningly. But there have yeah. been, you know, generally speaking, growing numbers of people have been a bit sceptical. And you see this online. You know, alt media has done uh, very well in the last 10 to 20 years. Uh, even that's got its own problems as well. But people are looking for alternatives. There's no question about it. They're looking for right. uh, something different from the official narrative. And yet, in the light of what's happening right now, all of this media hysteria, it seems to be, as we would see it, has seen uh, many people switch from being, oh, you can't trust what the papers say and you can't trust the BBC and you can't trust the, you know, the main networks into absolutely eating up all the numbers, all the figures and all the advice and everything. They're turning to them almost like it's almost a time of war. You know, it's like, you know, back in the Blitz, so we must turn to the BBC for the truth, you know. <laughs> but... Why, again, to, to echo what you were just saying, Colin, why would people think that, that they were suddenly going to have an epiphany and start uh, not having their own agenda and not putting their own spin on things? And a couple of examples that I like to quote, they go back a few years now, they go back, uh, one of them to the, the wake of 9-11. And I watched um, a clip online and a guy was filming in an airport, uh, JFK possibly, and it was just after the uh, full body scanners had been introduced after yeah. 9-11. Yep, and right. there, was a, there was a TV crew there and they were interviewing passengers going through the airport, asking them what they thought about the new security measures. And this guy was sitting to one side filming with his phone, unbeknownst to the TV crew. And uh-huh. the, his clip showed them speaking to... Um, up almost 10 different passengers coming through and they were all just really disapproving. They thought, this is ridiculous. You know, this is an assault on our privacy and our dignity, having to be treated like prisoners, you know, being scanned like this. But at the end, they talked to one, God bless her heart, one little old lady who thought, oh, you know, this is for our own safety. It's really necessary and it's really important that we do this, huh. you know. And, you know, that nice Mr. Bush says, you know, and guess which one they used on the nightly yeah. news, you know. Of course. And another right. another one uh, was locally here during some flooding 
uh, you know, the TV reporting uh, was just making the flooding out to be worse than actually as I knew because I live here. And I thought, now, why are they making it sound like it's a bloody, we're going to have to start building an ark. It's just not that bad. Uh, and I was watching this TV report this evening on local TV. And there's a, a lady reporter stood there up to her knees in water with her microphone oh, yeah. just going, oh, and it was next to some sheltered housing for old people. And she was saying, and the old people here are unable to get out for food and blah, 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 blah. But I thought, I know where that is. And I went down there and checked it out. And what it was, she was stood outside this sheltered housing for old people. And in that part of the road going past the building, there was a dip of about half a foot, and she, which had filled with water. So it was essentially a big puddle. She'd stood in the middle of the big puddle. The cameraman had done a close shot. So it looked like the whole road was flooded. Now, these might sound like fairly trivial examples, but if professional, so-called professional media people will do this in all honesty, skew this and put it on national networks for our consumption, why would we think that that would all suddenly go out the window and they'd suddenly become saints uh, because the situation that's happening now is as it is? It doesn't, again, it doesn't make sense. Uh, Yeah, well... <laughs> I mean, it's oh. like it's like we've been down the rabbit hole so far and for so long, and to see uh, those kinds of antics, it's it's like uh, it's they're it's all, all over YouTube. You can look at uh, there's a, a really famous one of CNN, uh, the first Gulf War, right? Um, and it is so laughable how anybody could uh, think that was real, right. where if, the guy uh, did yeah. a whole a television report from inside a studio with a fake palm tree saying he was in Saudi Arabia and they were on there was oh and that there was uh, there was a mustard gas or something being released and and they they start putting on gas masks masks and the fans blowing and stuff and they're saying oh my god you know this was in what when was this was 1991 it's a whole fake scene and um somebody somebody that worked in the in the editing room there released the original tape at some point yeah, anybody and the, can the, look the at anchor it. was laughing in between takes of going oh my god i can't believe we're doing this and they were just totally making up a whole fake scene um because they weren't there in riyadh saudi arabia they were in in new york city or wherever but the and, but the thing is is that a lot of people have uh woken up to uh the fakeness and the manipulation and the social engineering of mainstream media yeah but it's much more insidious it's it's becoming uh in the social media networks it's be it's coming in alternative media and that's why uh we keep saying how discerning that you have to be uh with all information and really this is where uh it it gets back into the psychological realm because you have to be able to go find where your own in intuition the deeper nature of of your own um um strength as an individual as a free human being to be able to recognize when you're being lied to and manipulated and what's and what feels is true and it, it it's and the psychological i mean if you just um i i remember one of the first times i I, it, it really dawned on me 
sort of the mindset of media people is there was um, an independent reporter who got a press pass into the into the White House press briefing room. This is uh, probably in like 20, it was a couple years ago and, and um, when they were doing daily press briefings. And he just had his phone running and stuff. And, you know, before and after the actual official press briefing, you could hear the um, the reporters talking to themselves and everything. And it's kind of like it gave you a picture of of kind of where these people are at. And then, um, you know, you just you just a lot of the, the, the press briefings with the media, even now. Uh, you hear the questions that are coming out of these reporters to, to, to Donald Trump often. And, um, and you just ask yourself, I mean, these questions are stupid, um, and they're childish, but I know, you know, that they're being asked by their producers to ask these questions. But you, you, you basically realize how immature and childish the the press corps is and these reporters are they're really not very advanced people at all it's all hard to believe that they even have degrees they're really not competent to do this job well um but in addition to that um there's you know the how could you work for a news uh how could you work for a a, a newspaper or a, a news outlet of any kind where, you know, this kind of fakery is going on, where, where, you know, they're arranging for protests and they're, they're just arranging for the scene to look a certain way. I mean, how do you, what kind of person lives with that and doesn't just say, okay, this is fake and I'm not going to work for this company anymore. So you realize that there's, um, it's a whole, it's a, it's a mindset that's not only immature, but it's corrupted. It's a corrupted, yeah. um, pathological mindset. It's very immature and kind of like, you know, um, it's kind of like the games that seventh graders play in school and stuff. It's just kind of very childish and, and petty tit for tat kind of mindset. And, and it's not only that, but it's, it's, it's accustomed to, uh, just letting fraud just roll by. And it's like, man, it's just a, it's a whole the media itself. This is not like real investigative journalism, like what Glenn Greenwald and John Pilger and these real investigative journalists are doing. But this is just the whole mainstream kind of media culture is it's just kind of a gross, icky, immature, and easily corruptible kind of mindset. And it's just like, ah, it's, it's, it's just like, oh, it's just, it's just, it's just gross. And, um, and it's like, this is where some people are at. And, um, and the fact that these folks would have influence and that they could actually help to, you know, that they would be, that we would be um, taking advice from these people. It's just, well, people don't know because the whole thing is constructed. The producers and the editors, they're cutting up everything to give you this prepackaged, 
um, thing, but, and people don't yeah. see what's going on in between or behind it. But this has been going on for many, many years. It's been getting worse and worse over the last several decades, One, yes. Uh, I just put this online, and I think it's a really excellent uh, documentary, the, the JFK one. Yeah. Uh, evidence of revision. Evidence of revision. Best JFK documentary series. Because yes. all it is is clips. Right. From that time, television clips. Yes. That document the process of that investigation into the JFK and the Robert Kennedy and the Martin right. Luther King assassinations. Right. right. But you can see, even at that time, yeah. how the media was manipulating yes. the situation. Yeah, how the narrative changed from day to day. It would be like on one day, Dan Rather or Walter Cronkite or whoever it was would be reporting, um, you know, that, that, that there, that the police are investigating multiple shooters and such and such. And, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll keep you updated. And that would go on for a day or two. And then that would be swept away. And then the next day it would be like, no, the FBI has determined that there were no, there are other shooters. It was just the lone gunman and then blah, blah, blah. And then some other, um, evidence would creep in and they report that. And then that would be swept away. And so just like it was just sort of a daily, uh, it was just the movement of the narrative into a certain direction and other narratives would try to come in and then they would be swept away. And it was just this, it was the something, somebody behind it. There were a group of people, of producers, of editors, of, of individuals who were making decisions. Um, and we know that the CIA and, has been involved in the media and, and, for and some time. In that documentary series, Evidence of Revision, there's a there's a film with Jack Ruby, who was the guy that killed, you know, uh, Oswald killed JFK, and then Jack Ruby killed Oswald. And they're interviewing Oswald, and he says, you know, they say, you know, I don't know what the question they asked him, but he says, the people behind this event that, that, that that made me do what I did. The, those people and their motives will never be known. Right there. That I mean, Jack Ruby is basically just saying, I was put up to this. There are people making these decisions and 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 that they will remain in the shadows. And I mean that I mean it's just right there. And and, you know, I, I, just one last thing. It's, I, I, when I was first kind of awakened to the way in which, uh, media narratives are sort of a top down, uh, kind of, um, scripting is, uh, a documentary called Outfoxed, which was about Fox News, which was really active in the scripting of the, uh, it, it, the 9-11 and the, uh, Iraq War. And, um, and how that Roger Ailes, the producer of Fox News, every morning had a new set of talking points and he was, a, and he would, there would be a conference call in the morning that would address how the Fox News employees were going to slant whatever situation was on or whatever, whatever was on the table for the day. And, so you see that, and, and they're all doing it, they're doing that at CNN and BBC and all the major news that, that the producer and whoever his colleagues are, are basically deciding how these 
um, these facts will be dealt with and the slant that their company is going to put on it and then everybody in the company follows that. And so, so, so basically the way mainstream media works is it is a top-down dictatorship of individuals who basically are in agreement about how things, how the story is going to be told and the, what the meaning of the story is. And, um, everybody else is just, um, is, is, has to go along with that or they're not right for that company and they're out of there. And right. so what kinds of people would just, uh, operate under those kinds of conditions? Again, like I was saying earlier, very immature and corrupted people would operate under those conditions. And, um, that's the kind of pathological kind of cult-like, like structure of the media. Yeah. And, and we're allowing ourselves, this is what I'm saying, that this, this kind of mind control programming has been done onto the general public for many, many years. Aldous Huxley, right. there's a good interview with him in the late 50s, early 60s, yeah. and he talks about um, how we will learn to love our servitude right. through media television yep. and through pharmaceuticals right he said that basically you know as things degrade and 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 society becomes more and more dictatorial he said well you know george orwell sort of had his uh, uh view of how that would be and it would be sort of like the thing that would really keep you in line is just sheer force and military power and torture is going to keep you in line, like a Saddam Hussein type situation. Um, whereas he said, no, I don't think it's going to go that way. It's going to be more of a softer tyranny. We're going to be softly suggesting the way you should think, and we'll be giving you drugs and to help you believe what we're saying. And it's going to go in that sort of soft tyranny way. And he said, um, before he died, he said, it looks like, you know, my prediction is, is, that's the direction that, that the big boys have decided they're going to take. This mind control operation, um, which is in all facets of our world, um, it you can really take it apart. They've been experiments, you know, MK Ultra on the population. Um, it, it would seem like at this point they would be able to understand through um, a lot of this experimentation of how to control and manipulate the population at large. Um, this particular, getting back to the virus, uh, this particular operation, to me, does seem to be some sort of... Uh, a psychological psyop drill to see if they can utilize yeah. all these different areas yeah. to control the yeah. population. This is, this is shock testing. Yeah. And if you've ever looked at that document, Silent Weapons for Quiet Wars, which is a, um, it's a fictional document, um, written by Hartford Van Dyke, but, um, he wrote it sort of to, um, kind of get to, well, to give you some some ideas for how um, parasitic elites think, um, and to, to to sort of put you in their mindset, and um, 
and he talked about shock testing in there and and folks can go look that up because this is this is shock testing this is uh the and, and the way the whole operation is being run so smoothly from the top down and it's just it's just incredible to watch all these governments sort of fall into line and to just believe the projections from the wherever the world imperial health. college or the world health, health. health. And, and every one of these projections was completely off right they were just not even close to what we're actually seeing um to watch this sort of just just imagine that you can actually shut down not completely but to a great degree, the whole Western world, um, uh, with just was just a handful of experts. Right. Just a handful of experts are getting the whole Western world to just go on on uh, on on lockdown. Yeah. Talk about a power trip. Yeah. Major. And, and I just wanted to say one more thing, and maybe we'll talk about this again later and stuff. Is is that the more you kind of go down the rabbit hole and look for who are the quote unquote controllers, who are the agents, who are the parasites, who are the elites, what are their plans, and all of that, you'll you'll actually find it. You'll actually find individuals, and you actually can find interviews with them and books they've written, like uh, Brzezinski, and you can see their mindset, and you can see that yeah, they're they're that this is going on, and it's it's provable and all of that. But the more I go into that and look at that, and then pull back from it, I, I it really makes me realize that to an even greater degree, the whole thing is unconscious. Yeah. The elites themselves, the Rothschilds, all the, the, the Gates and all these, the Clintons and all these people are really not that smart. They're not that conscious. They're definitely not very self-aware. And um, the average people are also not that conscious, not that self-aware. And so I ultimately kind of have to conclude that even though you're finding specific agents who are triggering these reactions and they're doing it consciously, there were definitely conscious people engaged in the 9-11. And there were uh, conscious scientists involved with MK Ultra yeah. who were doing these mind control operations and who were really trying to understand right. how to right. understand and there, manipulate them. There were, just yes. like how that when you get deathly ill, there really is an actual virus in there. But why is it that you get deathly ill when you have some of this virus in your body, but the next person over here that has that virus in their body, they don't get deathly ill? So there are much bigger unconscious um, processes going on in the body politic where um, – be, where where these kinds of conscious agents can actually trigger us into these kinds of reactions because it doesn't make it doesn't necessarily have to be that just because there's a handful of of creeps out there that they can actually control society we're kind of all in this together yeah, playing this, this out get, you get into the metaphysical yeah. nature of this whole yeah. thing as like a collective movie. Yes, or, it really is. Yeah. We're, we're, it's a, it's a, yeah, it's a, it's a collective dream that we're all in together. Well, right. per perhaps yeah. that's where we should go next. Really, one parting thought on a sort of a more 
uh, worldly level is yeah. you're talking about what Aldous Huxley was saying there and the sort of our servitude, but also a soft tyranny. Yeah. Uh, there's a lot of people right now who are worried about hard tyranny, about people being dragged from their homes and forced vaccinations and right. drone surveillance 24-7 and gulags. Based on what I've seen so far, I don't think any of that will be necessary because right. you know people are doing a very good job of policing themselves and each other at the minute, particularly yes. each other, uh, because as much as many people at the minute are not having a good time, even if you know they're just sitting at home waiting to see if they've got a job in the next couple of months or not, and they're trying to make the best of it, there's a lot of other people who, psych- who are psychologically really suffering here, but there's a small subset of people who've been waiting for this moment like all their lives, <laughs> you right. know, like little Hitlers, and we all know yeah. uh, some of them. That concludes part one of our interview. Be sure to tune in next time for part two. Thank you.